This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. Coming up on Money Beats, look at the week ahead. Janet Yellen going up to Capitol Hill, her first appearance before the new Congress. Will she drop any hints about when the Fed may raise rates? And there's a lot of data this week to break down. you got retail sales, inflation numbers, housing numbers. We will break it all down for you coming up next. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser here in the studio in New York City. And uh, hey, Grosser, you know what I, I did while I was uh, stuck at home in the snowstorm and couldn't get into the office? Actually, I did it, I think, Wednesday night, but whatever. We'll, we'll say I was stuck during the snowstorm. I know what you didn't do. Come into the office. Yeah, that's true. Or, or write the evening email. All right. Or write any post yeah, that, for uh, that That was not at all what I was going for. That wasn't where I was going at all. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, I have to keep track of these things. Uh, I finally saw Spotlight. That's just sad. I finally saw Spotlight, and, and I, was, I was embarrassed at how accurately they got bad journalist fashion well, I have to say, you're wearing khakis and a, a, a blue. <laughs> I am. And it was not intentional, but shirt. So yeah, no. I mean, and I also think your 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 membership as a journalist might be revoked for not seeing Spotlight. I thought that uh, yeah. was required. Well, I've been on uh, I've been on double secret probation. I finally saw it, so I can come off the list. But as many times as we've joked about that on this podcast about journalist fashion, oh my, yep, yeah. Uh, really kind of stuck out. I mean, the listeners really can't see can't Paul. T- I know. Paul well, really <laughs> is dressed like an extra on Spotlight right now. It's, it's At what, least I'm wearing jeans. It's like my entire wardrobe. It's all I have. I don't even have anything else. It's embarrassing. It's terrible. i got to go out and buy some clothes, some, some you know. Well, you had that one but what day. You, buy? you had that like, one day when you were going to the Walking Dead. Yes, event I did. That I, your wife basically found out about it and said, "No, hell no, you are not going dressed yeah. like that." And bought you some <laughs> nice clothes. So, like, you maybe maybe, I, I have, maybe this weekend, yeah, you I have, I have shopping. two nice shirts and a, a pair of jeans that are not, you know. Hanging down to my knees, but Josh can't see how we're dressed, and I Josh, think we might, yeah, we might want to bring bored. Josh in right Josh, now. Josh, you still awake? Bored. You still with us? Yeah, but you know, in D.C., we all we most of the reporters here wear suits every day. Ooh, aren't they fancy? Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those cultural differences. The D.C. New York divide. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, Josh, uh, Josh Zumbrum, everybody on the phone from yeah. D.C. We didn't even introduce Josh. We just started talking about uh, Josh Zumbrum, economics reporter down at the Wall Street Journal in D.C. Wearing? Are you wearing a suit today? Yeah, you know, I even wear a suit on a, on a lot of Fridays. Wow. Not yeah. always. You guys are buttoned up up down there. Yeah. I have a question. So, like, I'm going to throw uh, the deputy bureau chief a little bit under the bus. Does Tim Hanrahan now wear a suit every day? 
Oh, hmm, that's a good question. I don't I don't think Tim does wear a suit every day. Because when he was in New York, he was definitely a spotlight dresser, khakis and a blue shirt almost yeah. every day. It kind of depends how much in, how much kind of interviewing you do in your job, how often yeah. you're going to play. You yeah. know, if you're going to the Treasury or you're going to the Fed or you're meeting, you know, that that's kind of what determines it, I think. No, yeah, we, well, we have we know. have a few people that dress well, like Dan Fitzpatrick, but for the most part, for the New most York part, is it's, oof. Who knew? Uh, I'll tell you what. One thing we do know is that next week, and yeah, thanks for indulging us, everybody. Sorry, uh, you know, <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're still listening. We we, we owe you because we're about to. We do owe you, and we're about to get to some good stuff here. Uh, next week there is a, a packed data calendar, Josh. There's a packed data calendar, and there's going to be some really interesting uh, stuff happening in Congress, some big right. Fed, from some big Fed speeches too. So uh, we got a lot going down. Yeah, and after and this week, I mean, this week was so slow on the economic calendar. Yeah, this week. Was uh, it, we, we, I'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit more. Yeah, let's get to the let's get right to the main event. Let's get to the highlight. Janet Yellen uh, going going from the Eccles Building, crossing the mall over to the Capitol. What uh, what can we hear from her? So she's going to be testifying. This is the Fed's semi-annual. They call it the Humphrey Hawkins testimony. She's going up there for two days. She's going to be in front of the Senate on Tuesday. She's going to be in front of the House on Wednesday. Um, so it's going to be a lot, you know, eight hours at least of, of questioning. And, um, you know, this is also her chance to uh, really lay her views out there about kind of what the Fed's thinking for the year ahead. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting testimony. I mean, they have a lot of stuff to figure out. We're going to kind of learn, I think, whether or not they believe that this Trump uh, economic boom is is really going to happen. Uh, We're going to see how the Fed is going to respond to that in terms of, you know, do they have to raise interest rates a little more faster than they were thinking? Um, So we're going to get a lot of interesting stuff out of this and plus i mean it's always interesting when she goes before the hill because they can be so uh they can be so hostile they can be so uh they can ask questions that are just completely out of left field you know it's always a really interesting time and does it change at all this is this is the first time she's going before the new congress right this is the first yep. time before the new right. Congress. So does that, you know, is it possible that the tone's different there or changed or? Well, that's, I mean, that's one of the big questions, right? I mean, you can kind of see a new Republican administration going either way. For the past kind of eight years, they've mostly criticized the Fed for being too dovish, having interest rates too low, doing too much to help the Obama economy, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that they're in the White House, you know, maybe you want a Fed chairman who's going <laughs> to do things to help the economy, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, so it's, it's really not clear how the Republican Party is going to kind of switch gears on Fed policy, and we're going to. This is really going to be one of our first previews for it, so it could be really interesting. I, I mean, if I, and although the, you know Donald Trump doesn't, you know, he seems to be a little confused on whether he wants a stronger dollar or a weaker dollar, but he has consistently said weaker dollar. Um, he, you know that. Is, do you want a dovish Fed if you want a weaker dollar? You want them holding rates down. You do not want them, especially in the global sort of central bank uh, policy. Well, um, unless Mad Dog Mattis gave him some different advice at 3 a.m. and now yeah. he thinks differently. Uh, you, be, you brought that right home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. What? It's going to be fascinating. It yeah. could, it's really something that could go either way. I mean, people that tell you that they know for sure that he's going to want a dovish Fed people, or he's going to definitely want hawkish yeah. Fed people. Like I see people who are so confident about it, and like nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows how this decision is going to play out, and it's really consequential. And, and also, another interesting thing is that this testimony comes in the middle of February. There is a March meeting of the Fed, of the rate setting committee coming up. So that'll be in a couple of weeks. And people are saying that if they 
want to raise rates three times like they have been kind of intimating that they only have four meetings this year where they have the press conference and the 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 press conference, the post-meeting press conference, you know, like they really only have four opportunities to raise rates in a way that they normally do it, where they can kind of telegraph it and then answer questions afterwards. March is one of those meetings. So should we really be looking out from Janet Yellen? And not only that, I mean, I would say it's it's not just the press conferences. I mean, if you wait till a half year to June to start raising rates, say, you you are picking up the pace of rate increases quite you know, yeah. a lot in the second right. half compared to what we yeah. have seen last year. But, Josh, you have better <laughs> views on this. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the things to watch. I mean, we, you know, we survey economists on this question every month. And when we asked them right after the last jobs report, when do you think the next rate increase is going to be? Most of them said June. That That's the majority view, that it's going to be June. But there's still a minority, like 25 or 30 percent about of the respondents to the journal survey who think the Fed's going to go in March. So that means yeah. March is still, you know, it's not, it's not considered off the table yet. And so she could definitely still, you know, kind of cue it up to go in March. She could send a signal here next right. week that, that March is when they're going to move next. And uh, this would be the time to do it because the Fed, you know, they don't like to completely surprise people by the time the meeting rolls around. They like the idea to be pretty well planted exactly. before the meeting gets there. So I would definitely, you know, if they're going in March, if they're thinking they're going in March, this is the time that she would start to cue that up. So that's definitely going to be a big focus. And, and, and the other thing that, you know, speaking of is, you know, the Fed in the, you know, after their December meeting when they raise rates, the minutes come out and there's a lot of talk about uncertainty regarding the policies of the Trump administration and, and uncertainty in what they would do to the economy and how that would impact the Fed. What, what can we expect um, you know, from you know, her to say on that front, do you think? I think she might take a pretty similar tone just because the big things that are out there, you know, things like a major kind of tax cut – um, that might be deficit, you know, that might lead to a lot of uh, much might need might lead to much larger deficits. That'd be a, essentially like a big fiscal stimulus. We don't know exactly what form that's going to take yeah. yet. Um, you know, trade policy. That's one that could potentially have big macroeconomic effects. We don't really know yet. Infrastructure. We don't really know yet. So I would guess that she's going to take kind of a similar to tone to it, she did in December when she said we just don't have enough information yet to really guess. But uh, yeah, you know, I think it's something that. She She's certainly going to be pressed on. It's certainly going to be interesting to see if she shades it one way or the other. And the other thing, though, is like I could tend the Fed, and this is not really regardless of sort of the you know the the meeting this week, but uh, you know, is the Fed really sort of more in wait and see mode right now because of the, you know the new administration and sort of seeing like what policies actually get passed, what and what form they take. They're in wait-and-see mode because of that. I mean, the other reason they're in wait-and-see mode is because if you look at, like, consumer sentiment, consumer confidence, those measures have jumped up a oh, lot yeah. since the mm-hmm. election. But kind of the real economic stuff, and we, well, I guess we'll get into indicators in a minute, you know, that hasn't really picked up at, this, at the same way. So there's kind of like a real unresolved tension between these two. If you just looked at sentiment, you'd think, oh, man, the economy's about to perk up. Mm. But we just haven't seen it in the, in the real numbers yet. And so I think they're also in wait-and-see mode because of that phenomenon. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Good, good place to take a break. We will come back in a moment with more of your look at the week ahead. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. 
Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Hey, for more podcasts, if you're interested in more great stuff from the Wall Street Journal, you can check us out at .com slash at wsj.com slash podcast.com slash podcast would not get you very far. You need the WSJ there in front of it. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast. And uh, interesting programming note this upcoming week, February 13th, we are going to have Danielle DiMartino Booth in the studio. She's the author of a book coming out on, on Tuesday called Fed Up. She worked in the Dallas Fed for years, right, with uh, Richard Fisher. So going to get all her insights on what is right and wrong with the Fed really something you don't want to miss. We were just talking about the Fed with Josh Zumbrum. And let's uh, let's turn our let's turn our attention to the rest of the calendar, Josh, because there is there is some interesting stuff on there beyond, besides Janet Yellen and all the Fed speakers. Yeah, we've got some really big economic data this week. We, we inflation CPI is coming this week for the U.S. We've got retail sales coming. We've got industrial production coming. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, all those for January. We're gonna get an interesting read. Uh, housing starts is coming for January, mm-hmm. so we're gonna get we're gonna get an interesting look at some stuff uh, that's really kind of starting to m- perhaps move here. What's the feeling sort of on on the inflation front since? Um, I feel like that's all we've talked about for a long time. Um, you know, just the expectations picking up and getting closer to the Fed's, you know, two percent goal. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be the the consumer price index, which is not the one that the Fed focuses on directly, um, but uh, it's going to probably be a little bit above the Fed's two percent goal. That's kind of where the forecasts are. Um, so it's looking like it could be a pretty a pretty f- kind of stable. Uh, sort of inflation report. One of the big questions for the year ahead is whether or not all these kind of animal spirits that have been unleashed by the election, whether or not that leads to a big pickup in real activity, whether or not it leads to some inflation. I mean, normally you would think that this far into an economic recovery, if, you know, with the unemployment rate kind of this low and with with the economy having been growing for seven years, that if you got a growth spurt in that condition, you'd normally expect that to really get inflation going. But uh, you know, on the other hand, the people that have been predicting we're going to get inflation going for the past seven years have mostly looked like fools. So <laughs> I don't know which way it's going to go, but I'm definitely going to be watching these inflation reports to to see whether or not it picks up here. And we also have like the small business optimism one, which is you were talking about before the break sentiment. This is another one that has spiked after the election. And I think, you know, people – People are looking to that because, you know, small businesses are core of this economy. And, you know, if they start investing, that's going to be good for jobs and, you know, just the virtuous cycle, as Paul likes to say. It's been through the roof, that measure, the small business optimism. I mean, it's amazing. I I wonder if it's going to last, right? I mean, 
they're excited right now because uh, they've got a Republican candidate in there. He's talking about cutting regulations and stuff. But you kind of wonder whether or not they're really going to be able to cut so much uh, that these guys really, you know, they have a big advantage doing business in a year or two. Or whether or not a year from now they're going to say, you know what, actually all these regulations that I hate, they're state and local regulations. The president can't do anything about it. You know, yeah. this is still a difficult environment for small business. It's going to be interesting to see. The other two, that, I mean, I don't know, like retail sales, because this also speaks to somewhat to like the consumer sentiment and whether the uptick in yeah, consumer sentiment. somewhat. I mean. No, but, the, you know, right, exactly. Yeah. The uptick in that is like, you know, sort of translating into people, right. consumers spending money. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, that makes it a key. And the other one is just we've seen a big move in interest rates since the election. We're starting to get the data to see how that's impacting the housing market, and we have you know some of that data is out. Yeah, it's potentially a little rough on on home sales. I mean, you had a pretty big spike in interest rates and mortgage rates. Yeah. All things equal, that tends to slow down. You know, that tends to slow down the housing market a little bit. It just makes it harder to qualify for the house you were thinking of buying when you started the home buying process or, or whatever. It tends to slow things down, but it's a big question of how much. And, and obviously, you do have on the other side of that, you, you have the sentiment. I mean, that's really the big question right now with this economy is whether or not these really strong sentiment readings and whether or not the really kind of strong stock market readings, whether or not that actually translates into a boost on these actual measures of, of what's going on in the economy. Yeah, I mean, you could see people sort of reacting to the move in the rates while they're still still historically low and if they're feeling optimistic about the direction of the economy actually going at, like being like now's the time to act on buying a house so you might you, you could i mean i don't know if that data is showing anything close to that right but you maybe you do see a little bit of a bump yeah and i think you know the the, the thing that people are going to have to start looking out for especially on things like retail sales the inflation numbers a lot of these measures is when, when Donald Trump won the election and people saw that you're going to have a Republican-controlled Washington, D.C., the expectations immediately went in for business-friendly policies, all these kinds of things that would translate into growth. And, and so far in his administration, you've had a lot of angry fights on Twitter, angry fights in offices, you know, well, like – uh, my my point is just that you, you, I don't think people have gotten the sort of laser focus that they they were hoping for, and I know it's only three weeks. I would I would be more than the Twitter fights. I would say, you know, what you got in the first two weeks was much more of a focus on protectionism. Um, well, yeah, right, and, and, and border taxes yes. and immigration. You know. Then you'd got on deregulation and overhauling and the tax system, and that deregulation overhauling the tax system plus you know some increased spending was what and, and the I know markets were really counting. I, I know on. it's only three weeks; it's still kind of early. Right. But you, you want to start to my original point. You want to start watching in the data for signs of actual an actual pickup in economic growth. And if you don't get that, then you start questioning. Well, how long is this, you know, hope for growth bet that people have been making going to last? I don't think anyone's going to be give that up until at least the spring. I mean, like I said, it's three weeks. It's way too early. But, you know, retail sales are important. If you don't start seeing an appreciable pickup in retail sales from consumers, it's going to be hard to, to make the case that this economy is expanding at, at any kind of real level. Yeah, it could still go either way. I think people yeah. have gotten, you know, 
people have been too uh, – some people have jumped the gun on the pessimism. I mean remember there were all those kind of stories before the election that, oh, if Trump wins, it could mean a 10 percent crash in the tax in the stock market. Right, right. And, and, and conversely, you know, the people who think, oh, it's going to be this this huge boom. I mean this – it could still go either way and it could still kind of come out in the middle and mm-hmm. you could find out that, you know what, Congress is mostly dysfunctional and doesn't have much to do with who the president is. It's Congress right. doesn't get that much done. And so you just kind of muddle on for another couple of years. I mean, I, tell, I, I still think that's a completely <laughs> real possibility. Oh, uh, sure. That we could have an economy that ends up looking very similar to the past two years. Absolutely. I no, I, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think the, the other thing, too, on the deregulation front, and you spoke to this earlier, I mean, a lot of this could be on the state and local levels. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, dialing back and undoing some of Dodd-Frank is going to be, you know, fully is going to be difficult. And the same thing goes with Obamacare. We're starting to get stories right. about that. Like, what, there, there are limitations here, especially with how, you know, even though the Republicans have both houses of Congress, it, there are limitations to how much they'll be able to get through. And I think that reality and, – and a lot of this is also going to get bumped out too. I mean, they're already talking about 2018 for Obamacare. So, I mean, like, I think the right. market – you know, it does what it always does. Gets a little bit. It gets ahead of itself. It has to recalibrate, and it's doing that now. It's expectations. But I mean, I do find that, like, when he talks about taxes, and you see a big bump, but when he talks about pre- uh, protectionism, you don't kind of see the same. Level no, you of don't. Back. Right, right. Yeah, you know, where? You know, when does that start evening out? Right. I, yeah, he talks about he talks about tax cuts, and it's like, yay, Donald. And then he talks about you know walls and keeping people out, and it's like, oh, Donald. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think we should probably leave it there unless Josh has anything to add. No, I mean, I think I think it's going to be a big week. Interesting yeah. week. Uh, it's not a big week on the earnings front, Grocer. Cisco Systems reports. That was the biggest name that I saw well, the, on the, the calendar. The, the one I'm actually I'm interested in seeing, yes. this is just my own kind of M&A interest, is T-Mobile. The oh, reason yeah, okay, sure. the reason is there's been a lot of talk with the new administration that um, they won't the new administration will not be opposed to consolidation within the uh, the telecom space and T-Mobile has been you know uh, Sprint tried to buy them AT and T tried right. to buy them they are the, sort of the the jewel of the you know the telecom if you're going to buy anything they're yeah. like basically what's all they're the fourth biggest and it's all that's left so it, you know I, I'm going to be interested and their CEO has no problems talking very bluntly so I'm going to be interested to see yeah. uh, what he comments on this it, he's already commented on this at uh, conferences it'll be interesting to see how much he gets pushed on this further how how, how small can the S and P telecom sector get I mean, there's only five stocks in it now yeah. like, I mean it's insane to me that that's even its own sector. Right. And the other thing, I mean, yeah, Verizon and AT&T are like 75% of. Right. It's, it's crazy. All right. We have to leave it there. Everyone, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Hope you got something out of it besides just the fact that we're all bad dressers up here in New York and they're sharp dressers in D.C. Josh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, man. And uh, we'll talk to everyone very soon. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.